self-awareness is an important element, but before we even hit the self-awareness, we got to be a part of a culture. So a prerequisite to the, even the six-step process is culture. Is that right? I want to change lives. I want to show people how to progress in their money. I want to show people how to progress in their mindset. I want to show people how to progress in their brand so that way they can take care of their family, take care of their finances, and experience freedom. Welcome to the Business Owner Spotlight. Today, I'm super excited because I got the CEO of DX Learning in the building today, Alex Draper, man. Now, Alex is going to share with us about leadership and how to become an effective leader to grow and scale in our life. Alex, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Andy. You know, I'm really excited to do this episode with you, man. And what I've seen in, in, in your, as I've done research on you, is that you're really teaching people how to transform their lives to being a leader. Can you tap into a little bit of that? I know you have a methodology uh, method to create leadership and, and, and to transform people into leaders, but can you tap in a little bit about your experience, but also, you know, how can someone be a leader of their lives and of their business? Uh, thank you. Let's, let's, let's have some fun with this. So first of all, let's talk about leadership just so that we're on the same page and hopefully the, the listeners are too. So we, we define leadership as one human being positively influencing another human being. That's it. So if you think about it, that means number one, we can all do it. There's a difference because anyone can positively influence another person. I can talk to you right now and I can positively influence you, but it means it's a choice. I choose to do it or I choose not to do it. Um, there's a big difference between just influencing people and positively influencing people. So. I say that just because really we, we put leadership as like the CEO of a Fortune 500 company or yeah. a president or a VP or a director, whatever it is. But if you think about it, then if it's just one human being positively influencing another human being, we're all leaders. Um, my, my wife and my two kids, I, I lead them by positively influencing them. Um, I do it for my team members. My team members do it for me. So I think that's step number one is just for us all to, to understand we're all leaders. Do you think, do you, do you agree with that one, Andy? I do believe, I do believe that. And, but my concern really, man, is, is that does everyone have leadership qualities? Like, do you have to, ha to be born with certain qualities to be a leader? That's really my, my question for you is, or nice. can anyone like, is there a system that you can essentially create? I just had a, a meeting with one of my business partners on a project that we're working on this year, and I was sharing him some insight onto like my business. And I shared with him our social media strategy, how anyone can be a social media, media manager in our company. Why? Because there are step-by-step -step instructions. You don't have to come in as an expert. We teach you everything step-by-step, -step, similar to McDonald's. And there's a system to that. Anyone can do it. But my question to you is really like, is there a system with leadership that anyone can, can do it with your methods? Or do you have to have like some type of innate quality uh, to begin with? And then with your system, they scale and they grow. Man, that's a, that's a great question. Uh, let me answer it. Answer it. My opinion is it's about 80, 20, 90, 10 in terms of things that you're born with that allows you to, to accelerate your path to being good or naturally good at leading other people. But most of it is process because like my, my three-year-old daughter, let's put her in perspective here, Victoria, Queen Victoria, we call her. She runs my household, <laughs> man. She runs my household. She screams when we don't do what she when we we don't do what she wants us to do. Yeah. She gets really angry when when uh, uh, she doesn't have it her way. 
So she's in full control and she's only three, but that's, some people might say she's born to be a leader. Absolute BS, man. She's born to be a great manager. She can manage me. She can, and, and I didn't feel good about it when she screams at me and she says, I want this. So there's a big difference between um, managing and leading, number one, big difference. Uh, and, and two, just the, 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 to debunk the fact that I truly believe you're not born with the characteristics to make you, they're all the, the characteristics, characteristics to make you a great leader. You learn them, right? She needs to learn how to delegate. She needs to learn how to calm down and, get, and, and understand what I want, not what she wants. And, and that just goes to basic survival instincts. It's, and here's why leadership is so difficult. So number one, to answer that question, no. Anyone can be a great leader if they follow the process. And, and we, got, we do have a process, and I'm sure we'll get to it. But let's, let's just go into basic science, right? And why, why leadership is, we're not born to be great leaders, right? What's the brain designed to do, Andy? What do you think? What's the number one primary purpose of the brain? Uh, I would say the brain is, is, is originally designed to protect, to protect the body. Boom. Keep you alive. Nailed it. So brain designed to keep you alive. Primary purpose. Nothing more, nothing less. The only thing that's changed in 15,000 years is we've swapped out saber-toothed tigers for your mom, your dad, and your boss. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to protect myself. So my brain is a survival machine. So uh, in order to survive, what it's done is it's designed about 165 biases, cognitive biases, which are biases basically, uh, it's, a, it's a shortcut to preserve your brain power and energy to reallocate those resources to, to scanning for threats. And like, I'm looking at you going now, is that, are you a threat? Could you threaten my life? Are you going to say something I might not like? It, that's what my brain's thinking to try and keep me alive. So what, what that means is if my brain's designed to keep me alive and it's created all these internal processes to keep me alive, what's leadership about, Andy? It's about keeping who alive? Uh, the others, the other people. And their life, the biggest challenge and why no one's born to be a leader because the brain is a selfish, selfless machine that's designed to keep me alive, but leadership's about selflessness and servant leadership and keeping other people alive. So to, to long, long-winded answer of, man, no one's born to be a leader. You're all, we're all hardwired to be selfish creatures and to keep myself alive when as leadership is positively influencing others. So yeah, long, long way to get to your answer of, man, no, no one's really born with the ability to lead. It's something that you learn. It's a choice that you make. Um, you, you learn by mistakes. And, and again, you, you choose to either turn your brain off and, and help other people or to be selfish, narcissistic, and those horrible bosses that we all hate working for. What inspired you to be a part of transformational leadership where you're, you're giving people access to methods and strategies and processes to create leadership? What, what inspired you to, to be in this world? Uh, my, my mission for my business, DX, is wipe out bad leadership. I'm here to wipe out bad leadership. That's why I'm put on this earth. And that came from, came from not receiving great leadership growing up. I'd never really had a great boss. Uh, and the ramifications of that were you know, unnecessary stress, challenging myself, bad days, horrible days. And just going, going through the, man, there's probably millions of people like me who work for someone that, that, that doesn't positively influence them. So what if I created a business that helps people, all people understand that you know, there is a process to how you lead and that we can start, we can make the world a, a little bit of a better place by wiping out some of that narcissistic, self-centered leadership that 
we all, I'm sure we've all worked for one of those bosses, if not already worked for those bosses. And we're like, I need to get out. So that's my, that's kind of my why. So I noticed that you, based on our, our conversation earlier off screen, you're, you're living in Chicago, but I hear an accent. Where are you originally from? You can't tell I'm, I'm not American. <laughs> I, no, I, I, thought it, I thought it was like a Texas accent. No, I'm playing with you. <laughs> I, I can do a Texas accent if you want, but it's going to be horrible. Uh, and I probably, all the Texan listeners will, will hate me. But uh, no, um, UK originally, just, uh, just south of Birmingham. And I moved here in uh, uh, 2005. Okay, amazing, amazing. Now let, let's tap into the actual processes and the, and the methodology of leadership. Now, what I discovered is that there's six phases that you have on how to create a leader. Can you, can you tap into some of those processes and how someone can action, like action step-wise after they listen to this episode, they can actually experience a new level of leadership in their lives and in their business and the people that they lead? Yeah, there's, there's, there's a six-step process for rapid behavior change, which I'll, I'll dive into a little bit now. But then it's more about the, the process of what you need to do to, to lead others, which I'll, I'll, I'll do both of them. Um, Firstly, the, the process for rapid behavior change is this. Step number one, you need to be in the right frame of mind. It's called the, the growth mindset. This is, uh, if you haven't read the book by Carol Dweck on mindset, man, it's a wonderful book where there's two types of mindset. There's a fixed mindset and a growth mindset. The fixed mindset is this belief, belief, that I'm born this way and there's nothing I can do to get better. Like I have a, I have a fixed mindset for cooking. I truly believe, man, my cooking is terrible. And if you ask any of my team members and my wife, they tend to agree. So having that belief hinders my ability to improve. For leadership, I have a growth mindset. As I, I believe I was not born to be a great leader, uh, but I, uh, I'm imperfect and that I can get better. And through grit, determination and hard work, I will improve. It's, it's a belief. So step one is to get people to get out of a fixed mindset for leadership. Like what you said earlier, man, it's like, no, no one was born. No, there's no natural leader. Oh, cool. So we're all not not good at it. Yeah. So get people into the right frame of mind to have a growth mindset for leadership. Yeah, you're imperfect. We all suck in some form or another. And the only thing that you can ever do is get better. Cool. I can do that. Yeah, great. So that's step one. Get them in the right frame of mind. Step two, you can't change what you don't know needs to change. And most of us have no idea that we're terrible. Most of I want to hold off there. I want to hold off there because what you just said, you can't change. Well, what you said is you can't change what no one Say, say, how how'd you say that? Because that hit home. You can't, you can't change what you don't know needs to change. What you don't know needs to change. Is there a way to find out what, what you need to change or, or are you Hell stuck? Yeah. Hell yeah. That's step two, right? So self-awareness, man, it's like the, the skill of a 21st century. Uh, feedback, right? So being open to the feedback. So putting yourself in a place where you're asking your, 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 your children, your, your wife, your husband, your team members, your boss, hey, can I have some feedback on my leadership? Yeah, sure. I'm glad you asked that question. Oh, woo, I just found out something I didn't know about myself. So being open to feedback, being inquisitive, asking questions, putting yourself in situations where you're reflecting, you know, reflecting one-on-one. Most of us here, and especially during the tough times we've been through, we don't have time, right? It takes time to reflect. It takes time to ask yourself the questions. What did I do well this, this today? What did I not do well today? If you ain't asking questions, how can you create that sort of self-awareness of what you need to get better at? So most of us, we call it unconscious incompetence. Most of us are just clueless and ignorant about our own leadership. So, so get with the program, be open to change, seek feedback, 
uh, my business is all about creating those instances. So we create experiences for people to see themselves and go, Ooh, create that shocking aha moment of, I never knew. Holy crap, man. But that's step two. So create the awareness for change. I didn't, I didn't know how powerful that feedback was. Um, and now I see how effective it is in leadership. I know one of the things that I did subconsciously was uh, for all of the employees in my company, when we do a performance re- review, which a performance review is whether is if I'm going to give you a raise or not. And when we do the performance review, some of the questions that I ask is, how can I improve as a leader? If I'm going to give you more money um, you know, per hour per, in, in your salary. One of the things I, I really want to get out is a truthful, honest answer on how I can improve as a leader. So I didn't, know, I, I didn't even know that I was doing that. That was part of your methodology. Yeah. Uh, until you brought it up now. So what, what is the third through the sixth step in your methodology? Like what, yeah. so, so, so now I have the growth mindset. So that's the first initial understanding foundation is I got to think from a growth perspective, right? Meaning that I can change myself versus I'm stuck. And then the second element is to become self-aware where I'm, I'm aware of myself and, and I'm constantly asking for feedback and getting feedback to continually progress and grow. What is the third and six, third through six? Yeah. What, what, so, let me ask you this, Andy. What, what happens, do you think, to the average human being when you find out something that you didn't know before and most of the time it's something that you found out that you'd, you'd be mistreating people un, un, unbeknown to you, like, oh, my God, what do, you, what, do you think, what do you think happens to the average human being when they find out that sort of awareness of something that they didn't know before? Of how they treat – I mean, I think that, that- – experience is going to be a aha moment. I know I've done it. Uh, I'm so business driven. I'm, I've been so business driven since for the last 11 years. And I've, I've learned that I was actually missing relationships. Like this weekend is the first weekend I'm going to go to a nightclub with my friends and my family because I'm looking at the opportunity and recognizing like since I was 16, I've been hustling and working, um, built successful businesses. But the challenge is I miss certain elements of, of a natural you know, young guy's life. So I'm taking advantage of that. And, but that's because I was getting the feedback that you shared. But when I hit that aha moment, I realized something need to, needed to change. So I would assume yeah. that it would be that portion where something, need, where you have that aha moment and you're like, hey, something needs to change. Yeah, man. So it's, it's everything that you just said. It's like you have that shocking moment. You had the aha moment. It's not good in the brain. You, you feel you beat yourself up. You're like, God, it can't be yeah. I did that. So step three is acceptance. But Don't do you think, okay, so acceptance, but like, wouldn't you, wouldn't you say that at some point, like that, that feeling that you just said, oh gosh, I, I fucked up. Oh, I messed up. Wouldn't that happen regardless, like in any circumstance? Because like, like if I went the other route and I, and I was having fun and I was partying, then I would beat myself up because I never stuck around in a business and built a successful business. So I beat myself up there anyway. So wouldn't that happen regardless or, or should you just accept whatever the circumstance is? So remember what we're trying to do here is linked this to leadership, right? So positively influencing other people. So you, you're going to find out something about yourself that you've been doing to other people. So mm. it's more it's less about me and beating myself up because of, I, I didn't do things I wanted to do. It's, it's I didn't do the things to, to, to my kids, to my wife, to my team members. I'm like, I can't believe I've been doing that for the last five years, right? So it's, the, it's more about others than it is yourself. And then the acceptance piece is just linking it to the fact of, you didn't do it, but don't worry about it because 7.5 billion other people didn't do it either because of, again, there's, there's, there's these 165 biases in the brain, which if you didn't know that they existed, you wouldn't know that you're doing it. So it's the, 
you, you found out something about what you've done to other people and it's not like what you wanted or what you perceived it to be. And then it's, it's the, it's okay. Everyone does it. Remember when I said that you're hardwired not to lead? It's the, yeah. it's the understanding. It's like, ah, oh, it's that, you get the shock and awe of realizing it and you lower that threat by going, don't worry about it, man. We're, we're all wired that way. So you lower the threat by saying the brains, how the brain's wired and people can accept the fact that their brain's brain's been blinding them in positively influencing other people. So it, lower, it gets them back down to, ah, oh, okay, this is, this is okay again. Does Let me that ask make this, sense? Yeah, that makes, a lot of, that makes a lot of sense. Let me ask you this question. And I think this is a deep question. With Maslow's hierarchy, are you familiar with any? Um, okay, so you understand Maslow's hierarchy. With Maslow's hierarchy, it's like the sharing with the basic needs. Prior to going through your process, I know we're going to talk about the best practices and the application and, and the, the rest of the your, your six steps here. In order to be an effective leader, do you have to have your basic needs met, like in Maslow's hierarchy? If, if yes. So I don't mean to stump you if I stumped you, man. No, no. Just going back to some things we're talking about. How can you have compassion for others if you don't have compassion for yourself? Right. So, so you've got to meet your own. If you're not happy, sure as hell, mirror neurons, your team ain't going to be happy. If you're stressed, they're stressed. If you're unhappy with yourself, you're going to portray that on others. So you, you, yes, totally agree, man. You've got to have self-compassion to be able to have compassion for others. And if you're the not in a good I, place, they're not in a good place. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Because the reason I, because you, you had brought up like you, how your brain is hardwired and then leadership, oh, your brain is hardwired to take care of yourself and focus on self. But leadership is is taking care of others and making sure that other people are safe. That's that's what we understood earlier in the show. And so, in order for you to take care of others, wouldn't you have to be able to take care of yourself? So you answered that. Thank you for that. Yeah. So yeah, that's I, good, I, good question. As we go through your, your your methodology, what's the next step? So now we're accepting that. Hey, look, I understand that I didn't lead effectively before, but now I'm aware. Yep. Oh no wonder you have to become aware and then accept. So now you accept. And then what happens next? What, what, what do we do next? So next we do what my industry is really good at. So I'm in the leadership training industry. We're really good at teaching people. Uh, so step four is best practices, teach. But if you think about step one, two, and three, growth mindset, self-awareness, and accepting the fact you're not perfect, it's almost like a path, a path, to, uh, a path to a rite of passage to be able to teach someone. You can't teach someone accountability unless they want it or know that they want it. You can't teach feedback. You can't teach empathy. You can't teach being inclusive. You can't teach that stuff, step four, unless you've got one, two, and three. And my industry sucks because we're really good at teaching people. But the people that we're teaching, they don't want to be there. They don't even know that they need to be there and they're not in the right place. So step four is your basic standard. Okay, you now need to learn about leadership and you're ready for it. It's like getting people ready is step one, two, and three. So step four is teaching them best practice, what are the best practices when it comes to teaching leadership and to and being a leader? Uh, we have those in our back pocket. I'll we'll get back to those later. And then step five is application. If you teach someone something and they can't apply it, you're sure as hell going to get their brain pretty upset. It's like, what's the point of me learning this? So you've got to have the application. If I can't apply this in my world, what's the point in teaching in, in, in you teaching this to me? So step four is to teach, but step five to back it up with, well, how do I apply this? Take out the ambiguity of them going, well, what am I supposed to do with this? Help them apply it. Help them understand how to apply it. And then the last one is if you think you can change the world, 
by teaching someone a, 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 how to have empathy in an hour or two hours or a day or whatever the teacher or the learning program is, you're, you're an idiot because habits, bad habits die hard. It took me 14 years to quit smoking, right? So you've got to habitually reinforce the new habit over time. And that's what step six is, is to reinforce, reinforce, reinforce until it becomes habit. How often do you need to put energy towards reinforcing? Daily. Hmm. Daily, man. Yeah. It's like, it's so easy. So what we're talking about here is basically a journey of, of people realizing their bad habits, learning a new habit to, to form on top of that old habit, because you don't just get rid of old habits. They, they stay there. I still want to smoke, but I've, I've layered on a new habit on top of it. So you layer on this new habit on top of it. It's like you pull the brain out, you put in a new system, a new, a new, a new habit, you put it back in again. But for it to, to get used to it, you've got to practice it and practice it and practice it until it becomes that new habit and it overlays the old habit. And that just takes time, man, every single day uh, for at least 30 days, maybe even longer, depending on what it is. So, so even after, so, so it took you 14, in your story, it took you 14 years to quit smoking? Well, no, I smoked for 14 years. It took me about three years to quit. Okay, so three years. Is there a point where, like, under reinforcement, is there a point where that that old habit, like, like, is completely absolved? Or I mean, do you die with that, you know, in your DNA? You die with it in your DNA. Wow. It's the. It's then. So the brain is just a bunch of neurons. It's not like the neuron dies. It's it's still there. You just you're overlaying. I think they call it schema theory. You're overlaying something on top of it, and it's there. You've just learned how to to accept it. I I still have the urge to smoke. Uh, I don't do it because again I formed a new habit on top of it. I still have the urge to not give feedback to my teams. I hate giving feedback. I'm terrible at conflict, but I've laid on a new habit on top of it. So just we are who we are, man. It's like our our, our experiences define us. When we learn a new experience, we create a new pathway in our brain and it becomes part of our, who we are. I think that's deep, man. Wait, wait, I think that's, that's really, really deep, man. There's two things that I, I'm picking up on the on number six, the reinforcement is that you have to create a new habit on top of your old. So it's not about not smoking, not smoking, not smoking, don't smoke, don't smoke. It's about doing something else on top instead of smoking. Um, do, do, does it have to be something similar? Like, Versus smoking uh, cigarettes, you smoke cigars or some. Does it have to be something similar, or can you just like literally, hey, instead of not smoking, man, I I, I work out. Like, can it be something completely different? But oh, yeah. or or does it have to be similar? Yep, yep. It can be. It can be anything that you want to layer on a new habit that gets rid of the the old habit. But of course, you you need to have a growth mindset for it, the, the awareness, the acceptance, all the other things that we've gone through. It's you need that first before you can go into that forming the new habit on top. So yeah, it could be anything. Um, so take any habit, because we are just creatures of habit, right? It's, it's taking that old habit, realizing that's a bad habit, number one. First, the, 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 the major skill in all of this is self-awareness, man. Most of us have no idea of the bad, some of the bad habits that we have. No one's talking to each other in the modern workplace, right? We all hide behind these stupid phones. No one, we've lost the ability to talk. We've lost the ability to give feedback. We're all really nice to each other. So most of us are just habitually, we, we do the best that we can with what we've got. And most of us have no idea about our bad habits. So that's step number one is to realize you have those bad habits. And yeah, you can, you can, you can put a new habit on top of it. It could be anything, absolutely anything. 
you know, this is really profound as, I, as, I, as I'm seeing this, because what you're essentially, what I'm understanding that you're sharing really is that leadership is about habits and leadership is about habits of leadership is about changing your mindset from being self-serving to to serving others through habitual practices that serves others and what you're doing what dx learning solutions is really doing is on a grain on a on a molecular level changing people's mindsets on a molecular going from fixed to growth right on a molecular level and bringing through a step-by-step journey that allows you to change your habits over time. And then once those original habits of self-serving come back in, there's even a formula, which is the reinforcement to bring back the new habits that were already taught in step four and step five. There you go. You are now a DX flag bearer and can take our message <laughs> to the world. You, you got it. You get it. It's uh, great to hear. But what we found, man, like if we look at, for example, like halfway houses and, and, and the system of, of rehab, there are people who relapse. Right. When we look at when we talk about drugs, right, when we talk about changing the habit of, of, of drugs. Now, I don't have experience with this. However, I know that this happens. Now, let me ask you this. Does, is that happening also in the in the leadership world where CEOs, they relapse to their bad habits versus, you know, hey, Alex taught me this. I'm, it's working. Yeah. Or do they relapse to bad habits over time? Can they recover? Do they not recover? Do you got to do the whole process again? Like, what does that look like? So let's go. That's a great question. So let's just go up, up above, upper level to basic, basic, basic psychology. You are what you reward. We are what we reward. So babies, kids, have got a two, three-year-old and a four-year-old. You know, to get them to do the right habits, I'm rewarding good behaviors. And I'm, 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 I'm saying bad things about bad behaviors. I'm calling out the bad and I'm rewarding the good. Basic, basic psychology 101. So let's put this into Victoria is in the workplace. She's three now, say in 25 years time and she's a boss. She's 28. I can do the best that I can to get her to value the things of great leadership and have empathy and give clarity and, and give autonomy and, and be a great leader, be, be yeah. selfless. I can do the best I can. But there's a layer above this called the environment that we're in, culture, culture. So if the culture of the company or the organization that you work in, if it's not conducive of what we're talking about here, like good leadership, if they don't value good leadership, they don't reward it, of course those bad habits are going to set in because I am just a creature of habit. My brain typically wins. It's going to tell me to be selfish and protect myself. So if I'm not in an environment where we're rewarding the good habits, then you're going to go back to your old self. And, and of course, the further higher up you go in an organization, the more narcissistic you are because the more that you have to be to win. So an executive who's been taught good habits, we, we see this between like a director to VP. I, I, agree, I believe it's a degree of innocence in corporate America up to the level of director. And then you get to VP and you've really got to be harsh and very selfish, kind of selfish to get there. Um, which means at least to some of those bad habits again. But if you're not rewarding the good habits from top to bottom, top to bottom, even the CEO has to be held accountable to their performance of good habits. But what are they rewarded on typically? What do you think a, a Fortune 100 or any CEO is typically rewarded on? I can only assume it's more money in their position. Always money, man. No, it's nearly always money. So if you're rewarded on money, your brain's going to tell you, I'm rewarded on money. 
which means you're going to do anything that you can to get that money. Again, we're, we are what we reward. If you reward good behaviors and good habits, and you'll make more money by demonstrating good habits, because that's culture, right? Then more people will do it, of course. So that's, that's a bit of a challenge. To answer your question, there's a, there's a yes, no, yes, and. Uh, I can form new habits. I can be more selfless. But if I'm in an environment that's not conducive of those habits that I'm formed, I'm going to revert to the old ones because that's what my brain is telling me to do. So you really got to, so you really got, so the step, step two of the self-awareness, you really got to be really self-aware. You got to be really self-aware, not only of yourself, how you're responding and how you're accepting information, but also what's around you that you're not in control of. So yep. if you're, if you're essentially with what you're sharing in your system, if, if I'm a VP of a company and the, 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 the reward system of this company is not in alignment with the vision that I have with my leadership. So if I want to leave from my heart versus from a, from a pocketbook, if, if the company is not in alignment with the vision that I have for my life moving forward, I really got to be aware of how they reward me because I know we're based on a reward process or reward system versus something else. So, so in that example, does a, does, does a leader say, Hey, I'm going to lead other people to change lead the, the, the executives and the leaders to change the reward system for me, or do they exit? Well, that's yes. So yes, they, they do that. They do their best to, if you have a self-realization of, Holy crap, I've had an epiphany. I've realized that, that my leadership has not been where it should be. I want to be more selfless, but I recognize the company that I work for doesn't reward that. Yeah, you take it upon yourself to go, hey, CEO or chief human resource officer, um, I just, you know, I'm rewarded on money, right? You're paying me more if I get results, which of course is making me selfish because if you're rewarding me on getting results, I'm going to do the best I can to get those results. Yeah. Me versus we, go figure, right? We wonder why we have so many issues in corporate America is because we're creating monsters who are result-driven, which is creating the, the selfish we, me mentality, but leadership and companies are all about we. So yes, you can. And or what you're seeing right now, and we, whatever you want to call it, a lot of people are quitting, right? We've had more people quit in the last, what, year than we have done since, what, uh, gosh, 10, 10, 20 years. The major reason for doing that is what we're discussing right now. People are starting to realize the environment, the culture that they're in is not conducive of human-based, human-centric, people-first ideology. And we're going, I don't want to work for a boss who treats me like crap. I don't want to work in an organization that doesn't treasure this stuff. I'm out of here. And that's what you're seeing, which is great, which is why culture is so important. But culture, culture is leadership habits. A culture is a sum of the behaviors of its people. And, and you see that most in leaders. So, so really, they're, they're, they're connected. Culture, environment, leadership habits, this is all one of the same thing. And, and the more deliberate you are as an organization, so at, so at DX, we have our culture, right? I have my behaviors, I have my values. Each value has a behavior. Each of those um, uh, uh, behaviors is hardwired into a performance management system. And we reward people financially on their demonstration of the right habits, leadership habits, because we're all leaders here at DX. So let me ask you this then. So the, okay, that makes a lot of sense. So let me ask you this then. Based on what I'm understanding, is self-awareness is an important element, but before we even hit the self-awareness, we got to be a part of a culture. So a prerequisite to the, even the six-step process is culture. Is that right? Is that like culture and environment? Yes and no. It, it, it's a, so just talking this for now, it's a choice that you make. 
So I, I as you know, I, I value I value humanity. I value human centric workplaces. And if I value that, I make the choice to either work for a, for, for a company that doesn't value it or does value it. So your job, so just take normal people, just not say normal people, people who are making the choice as to what company they want to work for. The first question is, well, what do I value? So you just know full well that, say, take a, take a, um, let's have a look, take a financial advisor company, you know, like a, a company that the sole purpose is to make money. They're going to value making money above and above on anything. So I would make the choice to work for that company. I'll find out what their values are, what their culture is. I'll find out whether they reward good behaviors, et cetera. And if they don't, well, I'm making a choice to work there. So it's, it's really giving us a choice. I mean, we, we need to make the choice as to where we work and, and, the, and the culture of, of the culture and the, the boss. And we tend to join a company because of the, 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 the allure of the company. We leave a company because of the boss, right? The boss doesn't do what I want them to do. I love this. So, so I'm thinking about the perspective of the business owner or the CEO that listens to this episode and they hear what you're saying. And as they're, as you're speaking, they're reflecting amongst themselves. So I'm thinking about from their perspective. And if the leader of a company organization learns from you in this podcast today, and they, they learn that culture is the, the foundation of the leaders that I'm trying to create here, because, Hey, if, if the culture is not in, in, alignment of my leaders, like the, my subordinates who work under me, if it's not in alignment with their vision of leadership and their growth, they're going to bounce based on what Alex said today. The likelihood of them bouncing is, is real over time, right? They're going to they're gonna leave. I don't want them to leave. And I want to have a culture that is not self, self, self-serving, but, but serving others. So I do want to have a culture. But as a CEO, I have those habits of, uh, uh, of of being self-serving, for example, or being self-loathing and, and, and everything opposite that you shared, essentially. Yep. Can a culture be created if the, the, the leader, the ultimate leader of that company is going through their six-step process of growth mindset, self-awareness, acceptance, best practices? Can the culture be changed while the leader is going through, you know, all the way through step one through step six? Or does it really start with the leader and the leader has to be good you know, to, you know, go through their process, make their changes first, and then change the business? Or can it change before, can the culture be changed before the, the, the ultimate leader actually, you know, made their changes and, and, yeah. and changed their habits? It's, it's, they change together. You, you, you can't just wave your magic wand and, and you, you, you turn someone from being a self-ish leader to being a selfless. That doesn't happen overnight. The change goes together. So just take, any, any, any CEO or business owner leading right now. So just take DX. So DX has 10 employees. While I'm a founder and CEO, it's not just me. So just so that you know, here's a, here's a horrible fact. In the, uh, I started DX in 2015. For the first three years of DX, I lost every employee. All gone. They all left. Voluntarily left, by the way. So it's like I was doing something wrong. Um, for the last three years, despite the pandemic and in March of last year, losing all my revenue, we rebuilt and pivoted the business. I've lost not one person voluntarily. So what do you, what do you think changed from the first three years to the last three years? I haven't lost one person. My revenues, most revenue we've ever had. Business is going through the roof. Of course, went through hell to get there. But so things are great, but they weren't great. So what, what do you think changed from the first three years to the second three years? I mean, based on what you share with me, the commonality was you 
that's, that's what based on what I understood is the, the common yeah. between both scenarios were, was you. And and the that's second awesome. the second scenario was was more challenging than the first. Oh yeah, yeah. So so there we go. We just we just answered our own question for all those listening. It's me. The leader changed. Now here's the sad here's the sad part. Remember, I started DX to wipe out bad leadership. Yeah, I was one of those bad leaders. It's yeah, like, yeah. Isn't it? Isn't that knocks you more on? It's like I started my business to wipe out bad leadership. Yeah, I was a bad leader. So, <sighs> blown away. Anyway, uh, so let me ask you this then. Let me ask you this from, from a CEO's perspective. While you're making the change, all right. So whether whether it's you, whether it's your clients, the people that you're working with, while the leader is making their change, and the subordinates are used to the leader being a certain way. They've conditioned themselves. They're, they work with their boss a certain way. This is how so-and-so is. This is how John always is. He's an asshole. He does this. He does that. <laughs> so this is how he is. When the leader's making the change, and it seems completely inauthentic because you've known and conditioned your yeah. brain to know John a certain way, yeah. Does do you have to let the, the subordinate go? Um, because in, in quote-unquote, like they're essentially the culture now they're the culture and, and, and they're not yep. conducive to your new self. Yep. Like, do you have to let them go involuntarily in, in, in that example? My first, my first answer to that is give them a chance. So give them a chance, say, okay. So, so, so take, take me. Three years in, I screwed up, I've lost everybody. I'm like going, what the? It's, and I realize it's me and my bad habits. I have bad habits. Oh my God, I'm just like everyone else. So then I, I, so the first question, I believe. The first thing, you've got to believe in it. It's like, I know and I, I believe the right thing to do is to change me and to create a more human, cent- you've got a human-centric culture. So I believed in it. So that's step one, you've got to believe in it. And step two, you've got to create it, right? So I had, I had to create our, our, our values. I didn't do it myself. I did it with the team. It's like, look, we need to create these values together because the business needs to live and grow beyond me. That's it. So actually we created the new set of values and the new behaviors together because they brought in behaviors and things that I don't value. So for example, one of my values here is smart working. <laughs> Trust me, I'm a hard worker. I've been working since the age of 14, didn't have much growing up. All I know is to work hard, period. But that's not the modern workplace. They want smart work and they prefer to work eight hours smartly versus 14 hours with grit. So that's a, again, why it's so important to get listen to your people and find out what they want and put the two together. And then you create this culture Then it's on paper, it's deliberate. And then you got the team. Now I have team members who don't do all of my five values, trust me, but I give them feedback, they know it. Hey, hey, you're not demonstrating pioneering. Uh, okay, you're not challenging status quo right now. Let's talk about it. So what I'm saying is give them a chance. You've got to create the culture, be deliberate about it, and then you've got to talk about it. And once you've given feedback two or three times, and you've done some coaching and you can't change them, then you've got to have that tough conversation to say, you're not part of this culture. You're not living and breathing the values. I've given you so many chances. I'm sorry, you've got to go. And that will be the biggest day of your life when you let someone go because of culture. And, and that's wow. huge, man. Huge. Yeah. So today, in today's episode, what we've discovered is a handful of things. Number one is that instead of a fixed mindset and, and your response being, woe is me, 
We must have a growth mindset. And with a growth mindset, you're allowing for change. Number two, you got to be self-aware and ask for feedback from your subordinates, your team members, the people that work with you uh, on a day-to-day basis. Ask for feedback to become self-aware of what you lack as a leader. Step, step number three is to have acceptance where you accept what you've done in the past, but recognize that there's an opportunity for change. Step number four is to get mentorship, get guidance from people like Alex to, to now implement specific practices that allows you to grow and prosper in your leadership. Number, step number five is to apply those new learning curves in your, your life and in your business. And step number six is to continuously on a daily basis, reinforce those new habits and recognizing that your old habits of your ineffective leadership is not going to go away. It's always going to be there. But what you're doing is you're completely building a, a new foundation on top of your new habit and continually uh, reinforce it, man. Did I, get, did I get it right, man? Okay. Do you want a job here? <laughs> and on top of that, before effective leadership takes place in, in your organization, it starts with culture. You create a new culture, then uh, you create a new culture, and then you can simultaneously create a new culture while you, as the ultimate leader, you are the leader of your business, your company, your squad, your team. As you're going through the six steps, you can make those changes because you're coming self-aware that it starts with the culture. So that way, the people who will want to grow, who want to expand, they see an opportunity for them to expand inside of your house and your, your world. Did I get that right, man? Andy, you nailed it. So let's go through a lightning round as we end this end this show, man. Uh, your favorite book? Um, favorite book. My favorite business book is The Advantage by Patrick Lencioni, which actually encapsulates a lot of what we've gone through. And I actually used that book to help create my culture. Uh, and I actually use some of the methodologies to, to support uh, my clients as well. So just a wonderful book if you think about cultural leadership. Your favorite CEO that you're following and learning from? Favorite CEO? Um, oof. So let me give you the former CEO, because he's no longer CEO, is Howard Schultz. I just love his persona. I love what he did at Starbucks. You, a great culture is you can go into a shop floor anywhere and you can look at, look at how employees and team members work with each other you know, it's real culture. And Starbucks is a, a great example of something that's scaled to hundreds of thousands of people, but they still kept the culture. So Howard Schultz is a former, former CEO who I still follow and treasure um, and admire. One word that represents your business and, and, and life. My word is progression. One word that, that represents your business and your life. Rebellious. Rebellious. Love it, man. Alex, thank you so much for teaching us your six-step process on effective leadership and allowing us to take a deep dive into your brain today. Thank you for having me, Andy. And uh, we looked, we really enjoyed the conversation. It was awesome, man. How can people who uh, listen to this podcast reach out to you and be a part of your world? A uh, couple of ways. Check out my LinkedIn page, um, Alex Draper. You'll find me, Alex Draper, at DX Learning. Check out my DX Learning LinkedIn page. Just go to DX Learning Solutions. You'll find us. It's, a, it's an X. Um, on my website, if you go to blogs, it will actually allow you to join our newsletter. And that's where we're putting out monthly, monthly, everything that we just went through, we're putting out monthly blogs and best practices around this stuff. So those are three. And if you, if you want to call me or want to email me, it's alexdraper at dx-learning.com. I'm here to help yeah. you. Awesome. Thank you so much, Alex, for being on our episode today. You're welcome. Thank you. I want to change lives. I want to show people how to progress in their money. 
I want to show people how to progress in their mindset. I want to show people how to progress in their brand so that way they can take care of their family, take care of their finances, and experience freedom.